right. Welcome to the Dashboard Effect Podcast. I'm Brick Thompson. I'm Caleb Oaks. All right, Caleb, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a week since we sat down. I'm looking forward to this. What are we talking about today? Well, we're going to talk about diligence, going through the diligence process for buying a new company or selling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so in the work that we do, we do a lot of work for private equity firms. And uh, one of the things that they have to do when they're figuring out a company, whether they want to buy it or not, is is their due diligence. And a piece of that, an important piece in this modern world, is data diligence. And that's something that we do as a company. And uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So if you if you think about you know selling a company or uh, as the potential acquirer of the company, you might want to, I mean, you want to know a lot of things about that company, obviously. Uh, one of those things is data and kind of how the company uses data today and how they think about it, how they view it, what types of assets they have related to data, um, and, and really with the intent of knowing what your opportunity is once you own the company. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, um, Part of what you're looking for is not necessarily when you're buying, not necessarily that data is in a perfect condition, but rather that there's an opportunity to increase the value of the company by improving their uh, data situation and actually getting them to being data driven. And so in doing diligence, if you're a buyer, um, you might be looking for a company that just has a, a wide open field of opportunity to create data assets, data warehouse maybe even figure out how to monetize data, those types of things to increase the value of the company during the whole period. Right. And to be more specific, uh, you know, you might look for what exactly can we do and what's the return on those things going to be to, you know, realize some of that value. Right. So, uh, so in other words, what might it cost us? How long will it take? And how do we think that's going to affect, you know, either the EBITDA or the multiple on exit? Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, so uh, you and I have both worked on diligence. You recently did a diligence project for one of our PE clients. Um, let's let's kind of talk about what we do as part of that. Sure. So normally what we do is it starts with understanding from the deal team you know, what their thoughts are, right? We want to get the perspective of the, of the team and kind of where are – Where's this company at? What's their impression so far to date? Is there anything anything specific that we should know going into this thing? Um, after we get a good idea from them on their thoughts, then you know we have a framework that we take the executives of the company through. Um, you can think of it kind of like a show and tell. Kind of show us what you got. You know, let them brag about themselves a little bit, uh, and then we put it through our lens of you know what where are the opportunities here. You know, um, it's it's pretty interesting, as especially in this one that we just did. Uh, you have to be careful with the questions that you ask. Right? What? Why? So, you, I mean, these guys are essentially going through an audit, right? There's a they've gone through a lot of questioning up to this point. We we're not the first, you know, company to come in and ask them questions about their operations or their finances or you know how they go about running their business. So. Um, it's pretty easy, and as you can imagine, for some of them to get put on the defensive. 
Yeah, yeah. And if they're defensive, they may put a spin on the answers that makes it hard to get to what the actual reality is. Um, and so, yeah, there's a definite uh, there's a definite level of skill in just sort of getting people comfortable in talking in real ways about uh, about their data situation, and also asking the questions in the right way that you're not sort of making people more defensive than they need to be. If you're too pointed, it could it can make someone feel backed into a corner. Yeah, right. It, it's funny because most of or a lot of our clients and kind of what we've done in the past before we really got into this diligence offering was the companies would come to us and they'd know they had a problem or they had an opportunity. So our questions were all tailored towards tell us about your problems. And the first time we did diligence, we had that same type of spin about halfway through the call. I realized like these guys are, they're super guarded. Their walls are up. Um, we need to start, we need to give them some compliments here because they, they did have some, there were some bright spots there, but they were feeling a lot like we need to put on like a facade of no, we're really good. So we can get right. the most out of this deal that we can. Right. They're in sales mode. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they don't want to say, oh, and here's another terrible thing. Right. 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 Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not just, uh, it's not all about what's the opportunity for the buyer to increase value, but the person who's selling is hoping to get the highest price they can. And if there are real problems, that could drive the price down. It could make negotiation harder. Exactly. And and kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, it can actually benefit the seller sometimes, right? If there's big opportunity there to for the purchaser to increase multiple and really make this company more valuable through some low hanging fruit potentially, you know, it, it can it can be a benefit to the seller. Yeah. So you can you can think of it we actually improve the deal thesis not just for the buyer, but sometimes for the company itself. Right, right, exactly. So sometimes we can work on behalf of either party when you when you look at it that way. Yeah. Well, and when we go in, we really are trying to go down the middle. We're trying to give an unbiased view. We are looking for those opportunities for the buyer because we're hired by the buyer. Um, I think always uh, so far, I guess it's possible a seller would hire us to, to help them position themselves. Uh, but we don't want to you know, provide a false sense of opportunity. And we also don't want to you know, uh, uh, beat up an asset too much where they pass on an opportunity. That would have been good. Yep, exactly. It's a bit of a fine line. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about the things that we look at. I, I think the first one uh, is data culture. Um, so we really try to get a feeling for what is the culture around data at the company? Where are they on their sort of maturity journey towards being a data-driven firm? H- how do you how do you get at that? It's a good question. And, you know, it's a lot of it's, it's, it's asking questions, you know, how do you view data? You know, how do you use it now? What's, what are some of the, the wins that you've seen from using it? Uh, those types of things. And you can pretty quickly tell how, how someone views the role of data in business in those conversations. Uh, I, I can recall one time where the COO said, you know, we look at data, but we know that data is not going to really be the end all here, which he, you know, he had a point data. Isn't the, you know, it's not the silver bullet, but you know, it definitely, he downplayed the role of data in making good business decisions and, you know, frankly, increasing the value of his company 
a lot. So that, that impacted their score in our audit. Yeah, yeah. And and that can come out of a couple of things. One is a recognition by the person you're interviewing that their data situation is not great. And so they may want to compensate for that by saying, look, we can run this business more on seat of the pants. We don't need that. Been here forever, know how to do it, you know, that type of thing. Yep. Um, yep. Stick yeah. a finger in the air, wind's <laughs> blowing to the left. Yeah, exactly. Yep. yep. Um what are what are some of the specific things you look for in an answer from an executive to try to understand data culture? What what might tell you, hey, this company really is aligned on data in terms of they're data driven? Yeah. So so if they have if they already have some reports, and as we go through these different these different areas, there's going to be overlap, and that's on purpose, right? So they all kind of tie into each other. They all have their own specific spin on it. Um, so. When I say they already have some reports, there's another category called reporting that we'll get to. That's all about their existing reports. Sure, but, sure. you know, it's it's reports. It's how frequently those reports might be distributed, who has access, who can see the data. Are they are they willing to let sales rep A see sales reps B's data? Um, are they very locked down? Um, is are they championing data throughout the company? Do they try and push the metrics that they're seeing at the highest level through to the lowest level? Those types of things. Yeah, yeah, all of those. I also think about just how compartmentalized the data is. So sometimes you'll find a company that feels data-driven, but find out that their data is being managed in silos in different departments. So you've got business analysts who have built their own little mini data marts, basically. Um, and and that can show that there's actually decent data culture, but then it speaks to some other issues around data maturity. Exactly. Exactly. That and that's why we have the other the other categories that we're gonna get to. But you're right. I mean, that can be a big positive if if people are craving data and they're actually doing it in some way, that can that can actually be a positive mark. But there's an opportunity to make it even better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then another um, key area we look at is key metric alignment. So um, trying to assess uh, how clearly the business is aligned on what their key metrics are and how they define those metrics, because we sometimes find companies that use the same metrics in different departments and they actually calculate them differently and they come up to different numbers. So how, how do you try to get at that? And you know, what's a relatively brief diligence? Yeah, you it's another simple question. You know, what, what are your most important numbers, right? What, what do you need to see every day or every week? Or, you know, how do you know your business is doing well? Um, and that just that question can get at key metric alignment. It can also be a big teller of data culture. Uh, so they can say, you know, I, I look at the numbers, but I don't really look at them every week or every day. Right. It's like, okay, you know, that's, that's telling in, in terms of data culture. And then you start digging into the key metrics a little bit. So this number typically in the call that we schedule, we have more, we, we have the executive team there. So um, you can uncover misalignment pretty quickly when you ask for a definition, just plain speak business definition of what the number is. Um, there'll be disagreement. There can be. Yeah. We see that a lot. Yeah. What else? It looks. It sounded like you're about to keep going. I interrupted. Yeah. No. I, I think I was just going to say that we're kind of going through this right now internally. Oh uh, yeah. That's true. On our last uh, 
one of our last episodes where we were talking about the changes that we've made in, internally, but we're, we're going through the key metric alignment, you know, exercise right now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we are very data driven and we're very familiar with our data. And yet we're discovering as we've moved to a, 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 a different uh, business model in terms of how we, we price our business, um, we don't have clarity on exactly what the right metrics to track are. We're getting there quickly, but it is it is interesting to see that. We're scratching our heads a little bit. Right. And that that's the that's the advantage we have because we know it's really important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and if you're not if you're not in this business and you don't know how important that is, it's easy to just say, here's the number, here's the number, here's the definition, kind of in your own silo and not get everybody aligned on it, which is so incredibly important. Yeah, yeah. I know that I think another thing to understand alignment on key metrics is whether people have the same goals in mind for those key metrics. So you may be calculating a number the same way and thinking about it the same way, but how are you deciding whether uh, a certain value is good, bad, emergency, that type of thing? And uh, I think during the diligence process, you can you can definitely get a feel for that if you just ask that question. Okay, what does good look like? Right. Right. And it kind of overlaps again with more reporting. If you take a look at some of their reports and their key metrics are on there and they have KPIs, fantastic. Yeah. And the KPI being some kind of easy to interpret intuitive indicator of how it's going, red, yellow, green, or or an arrow, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, since you mentioned reporting, the next area we look at is reporting to try to figure out basically reporting maturity of the company. And so that involves things like how good is the adoption of reports that they have? How effective are they? How are they using them to run their business? What questions do they answer with them? What behaviors are they hoping to drive by looking at those reports? Mm -hmm. Yep. All those things. So we can start with just the reports in general, right? What platform are they on? Are they, are they in Excel? A lot of companies, an amazing amount of companies are still running their reporting out of Excel. Yeah, I, I bet you. Uh, I, well, I, I saw a stat recently within the last couple of years that Excel was still the number one database used in companies and enterprises. That makes sense. <laughs> so, so yeah, if it's an Excel, you know, it's, you can have good Excel reports. You can. I mean, there's. It's not like the tool is the make or break, but typically when it's in Excel. It is, uh, it's not something that's going to come out frequently. It takes some manual work to put it together. Um, so there's definite drawbacks to the Excel route. Well, and just so error prone. I mean, you just have to enter something in the wrong column or insert a column or, you know, it's too easy to mess it up. Right. Well, in fact, we end up with one of the things we look out for when we're doing a building of reports is whether the company is using what we call internally a magic sheet, a magic sheet, which is basically an Excel file that has all sorts of magic formulas and things and massaging going on in it that no one can really fully uh, decipher. Yeah, that's the term of despair. <laughs> <laughs> it truly is. It's the term of despair for our project teams, for sure. Yeah. Because when we need to try to match requirements, match calculations to a magic sheet, we know we're in for a rough ride. Exactly. 
All right. Well, the next area we look at um, is personnel. And so this really revolves around the people who are involved in handling business intelligence, reporting, infrastructure, that type of thing. How do you get a quick read on that? Who's who's responsible for building your reports and distributing them? And and what are you looking for? So a typical answer to that, depending on the maturity of the of the firm, would be, well, Ashley and in, in uh, you know over in admin does it. She and she then she so she does that every morning and she'll send an email out to everybody. That, that's not very good, right? Or um, yeah. <clears throat> or, or, or you might find somebody that's like, you know, we have a, we've got a database administrator and uh, we have a, a BI analyst and they work together to build the reports and push them out to the company. Uh, that's a little bit better answer. It's still not great, um, but it's, it, you know, you start to realize that, okay, this company has invested something in BI and in reporting. Yeah, and you've probably got better alignment across departments. I mean, sort of even worse case than it's Ashley who sends out a report every morning is it's Ashley from sales who sends our sales report. And then then we've got Fred over in finance who does some reports and so on and so on. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to say on personnel? Uh, You know, once let's say that they do have a BI team, for example. We will go deeper into, okay, who are the players? What are their roles? What are their expertise? Show us some some work. Um, you know, so it's not just, oh, you have a BI team, that's great, full marks. It's, okay, who are they? Are they effective? Are you getting what you need out of them? Uh, that type of thing also. Yeah, and best case, we get to talk to those folks too. Right. Okay, so uh, let's go to the next area that we look at, probably your favorite, BI infrastructure. So tell me about that. So this is this is all. I mean, it kind of goes back to Excel, right? Are you are you building pivot tables off of Excel from some data dump that came out of a source system like Salesforce or something, and you're and then you're pulling things together and pushing it out? You right. Know, and that, you don't don't love that. No, right? I guess it is infrastructure, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, loosest right, sense. Right, right. Right. Yeah, Excel is a database, I guess. Right. Right. So. <clears throat> So looking at, do you have, do you have a, a database like an ODS or a data warehouse or a data lake or something that is a little bit more suited for uh, BI, effective BI, and something that can be refreshed every 15 minutes, for example? Um, not everybody needs that, but, you know, you want to have something that's capable of it. Um, so as soon as you tie it to a manual process, you lose that, that ability. Um, so it's that it's, do you have any sort of reporting platform already in place, whether it be power BI or Tableau or click or, you know, anything else like that? Is there something in place? Um, there is also another really important piece kind of also tied back to reporting is, um, do you have some sort of infrastructure for sharing your reports? Uh, you know, one of the companies we worked with had, uh, they had screens, their reporting was out of Excel, but they had screens in their offices that displayed those Excel reports. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That, show, that shows a company that is committed to being data-driven for sure. But it's got all those problems with Excel that we talked about. Right, right. Magic sheets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So the last main area that we look at is data sources. Uh, this one can be a rat's nest. Um, as we start to look at, you know, what are your existing data sources, it never fails to amaze me that companies will f- 
feel like they've got a good handle on that and say, okay, it's really only three. Our ERP system, our timekeeping system, and our HR system or, or our finance system, something like that. Um, and then as you dig in, you find there's actually like nine because you get into the departments and there's all these little sort of uh, uh, bespoke or for purpose systems that you actually need the data to get the complete picture. How do you get to that? Or 10 Excel sheets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, you start out, you know, I mean, just again, more asking questions, you start understanding, you know, where do you pull your data from now? Uh, There are, these are very pointed questions that are pretty objective. So you, you might say, uh, tell me what ERP you're on. Does every location run on that same ERP? Is everybody in the one instance of that ERP? Is that what, what's your CRM? Um, are, do customers in your CRM also live in your ERP and are they tied together? Is there integration there? How much redundancy do you have between your sources? Um, how easy is it to access your sources? We, we can probably get that with just knowing what the sources are. Um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but there's key direct questions that we ask. And those are just a few of the high level examples. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of gets you towards, you know, how, how easy is it going to be if we do come in here or somebody comes in here after the purchase and ultimately wants to stand up BI? Are you going to be fighting with vendors or trying to just get access to your data? Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you a good idea of how, what's going to be the cost? How difficult is it going to be to access that potential of getting to truly data driven for a company? Mm hmm. That's right. I think it also there's there's times when uh, especially a private equity firm has a platform company and they're they're doing an add-on and it's sort of a different assessment to see okay how well can we integrate this add-on Sa- same areas we look at the same areas but uh, maybe a little differently for how will this plug into what they've got and what's the plan for integration are you going to migrate them to your main ERP system immediately or are they going to stay on their own for a couple of years how are we going to do consolidated financials all of those questions right and it and it does come back to you know how do you want to report on this data. Right. So you take that example you just gave of you have a you buy another company and you try and start integrating them and maybe you do that in your reporting first. Do you want company A from you know your original ERP to link up to company A from the new new company's system as well? Maybe not. Right. There's a, there's a good case to say no because we kind of we want to see how this company operates by themselves. But once you get to exit, you might want to see that. Right. Because now that customer um, is much more valuable and maybe a bigger customer than it was uh, if you look at it simply by source system. So you start getting into a lot of a lot of complexity pretty quickly. Um, and if you have some of that integration already set up or, uh, and you start to understand what are those goals for the company, then you can start making a better assessment on data sources. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just mentioned uh, exit, and and that's actually a, it brings up an interesting point for me, which is diligence for the owner can be just as important as we talked about for the seller of the company. Let's say it's owned by a, an original founder or something they're selling to a PE firm. But if you're a PE firm getting to the end of your hold period and you're getting ready to sell – having this type of a diligence assessment can be really useful for being able to show a potential purchaser, hey, here, here's why we're asking for the multiple we're asking for, but also here's the 
additional room for improvement. We've taken it this far. We've identified these other things that can be done. You should come in and and do those things to increase your value during your whole period. There's always room for improvement in there. <laughs> yes, there, there always is. Definitely around here. Okay. Well, Caleb, we're kind of getting near the end of our time. Uh, any any last thoughts before we wrap up? You know, I think I think diligence is quickly becoming something that's going to be one of our uh, one of our mainstays, and it's exciting because it's it's a fun thing to do. It's something that you can't just pick up and do. But we've obviously we've been in business for a while and learned a lot of hard lessons, and we do this type. We've done this type of thing for every client that we've ever worked with, and finally being able to put a a, a formal bow on it is good. And I think it's going to bring a lot of value to a lot of people. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, digital transformation is, you know, well, has been and is a buzzword, uh, especially uh, when you're buying and, and, and building companies. Um, and diligence is just a key part of that. All right. Well, I think that's it for today, Caleb. Uh, appreciate you sitting down and sharing your thoughts. It's been fun. A pleasure as always. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. See ya.